It is finally time to talk some football. Yes, the Proto Fantasy Football Podcast Week 1. I am so hyped. I am so ready. For those of you who know us, you know what's going on. For those of you who don't, hello. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with my two brothers, the only twins to take over the fantasy football world and win some championships for everybody. Michael and Jason Petropoulos. I don't know any other twins in the fantasy world. I'll tell you that much. You that, guys don't. It's it's about to be week one, and that's the that's your key. That's the thing you wanted to say. <laughs> Bro, you guys don't listen sell to us. Up. We're twins. Well, Tim's the one who said it's time for some footballs. If we haven't been talking football for a year, time, it's time for some it's regular game season. Time. It's game time. Football. I think we need to 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 play up the guys that uh, that you're twins more. I think we need to to market that more. But anyway, um. It was a successful all season for us. Thank you so much, everyone who supported. We are ready to get into week one. We are ready to win some championships, and that starts in week one. Whew, I can't wait. Let's get it started. Part one, the first eight games of the of the Sunday and Thursday slate begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So not only are we excited that this is the first game of the season, but we're also super excited because we get to read you our first ad read. Here on Brodo, and it was because of the support of our patrons that put us um, in the eyes and ears of Manscaped. So now, support for the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. So thank you for your guys' support. And we want to support you by partnering up with brands that we actually believe in. And Manscaped sent us a a, a care package. Um, If you don't know what Manscaped is... Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The product we tried was a Lawnmower 3.0. What the Lawnmower does is exactly what you might believe a Lawnmower does. It trims the hedges, right? It makes the garden look all nice and neat. It makes the, the pink flamingo in the front yard look bigger, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's, and that's oh, what they geez. do. And... We tried out the product, and we got to say we love it. Um, it's quiet. It's discreet. It's fast. I just took off my shoe, and it made noise. That's not like the lawnmower. The lawnmower doesn't make any noise. It buzzes. It's wireless. It goes in the shower with you. Um, use our promo code now. That protocol was BRODO, all capital letters, B-R-O-T-O, in order to get $20 off your- 20% off. 20% off, excuse me, which could be worth more than $20 mm-hmm. um, if you- if you fill that card up, plus free shipping. Again, Brodo for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, they have a bunch of products. They have anti-chafing underwear, which I have on right now, and I got to say feels pretty damn good, especially for someone like me with thunder thighs. I've owned a, a, ra- a razor before because I'm a bald guy, and this one is the best buzzer I've had ever in my life. Uh, how do you guys like it? You guys tried it too. It's fantastic. I got to tell you, I wouldn't try to promote something that I don't love, but I used it, and I am smooth as a smooth thing. What's smooth? I don't know. A baby's bottom. A baby's bottom. bottom. But listen, like, yo, 
you know we're all brothers. We all grew up in the same house. We have a fourth brother, Johnny, who we grew up with. And we have this big, bulky buzzer. You plug it into the wall. It makes mad noise. Like, every time I went to go shave my nuts, I was like, all right, now the entire house knows I'm shaving my nuts. And, like, you know, sometimes you just don't want people to know you're doing that. You know you're doing it, but, you know. So, but, <laughs> but this buzzer is, dude, it's sleek. It's small. It's safe to the touch. Like, I was putting my finger on it just to play around with it all over the, like, oh, look, I'm not cutting myself. And, and you bring it in the shower with you. And it has a little light, too. It's, it's, it's amazing, honestly. In case you're showering in the dark. Nah, but for real though, in case <laughs> in case you need to, you know, see clearly what you do, because I know you guys have nicked it before. Everyone's nicked them before. A nicked ball is not a ball you want to play with. Kind of like the Knicks playing basketball. Exactly. Um, yeah, so get 20% off and free shipping with the code BRODO at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BRODO, B-R-O-T-O. Thank you guys again for making that opportunity possible. And thank you, NFL, for making the opportunity possible by um, doing these guidelines for COVID. Um, BrotoFantasy.com is where you're going to find all of our week one rankings that we're about to talk about right now. Um, it's also Patreon.com uh, slash BrotoFantasy if you want to join the community, get an extra episode every week, and tons, tons more. Let's get right into this first game on Thursday. But before we get into this game, guys, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. I didn't tell Tim this was coming, but they're going to find out anyway. And all of you guys have a confession to make. I'm fading all the rookies in week one. I'm fading them all. Why? Ask me why. I'm waiting for you to ask me why. I don't even want to know why. Why, yeah. Tim? Why? Tell me, Tim. Because this isn't Madden. These guys aren't rated as 73, and you just put them out there, and they do 73 things. These are guys who have not played live football in eight months, some of them just were old enough to buy their first drink, and now you're going to put them out there. Are some of them going to be superior enough athletes to, to break through? Yes. But if unless they have a crazy defined role like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I'm still fading a little bit. I have him ranked running back 17 right now in my rankings for week one. I'm fading almost every single rookie. I think they're all going to be busts, and I think that if you start a rookie, you're going to be sorry this week. I... Don't necessarily disagree with you, but that's just because it's game one and they're rookies. I don't think COVID all has gonna much be, to do with this. What do you mean? This is this is game one ever. Look, there's risk. This is not hold on. They didn't they didn't play in any preseason. None. They didn't see any opponents who, who wanted to actually beat them and, and physically harm them. Zero. These are the best football players on earth. They've been playing football their entire lives. I don't think it's a problem that they haven't had preseason games. Maybe when it comes to running plays and stuff. I mean, when I look at my rankings, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, these guys I'm willing to play. But after that, I guess you're right that I'm fading rookies. But it wasn't on purpose. It's just that they're rookies and they take time to develop. All right, Jonathan Taylor is not in my... Definitely not a guy that I would like to start this week. Yeah, Tim's we'll a weirdo. You're a weirdo with your Jonathan Taylor hate. I don't get it at all. I mean, we'll just have to We've see. We've seen Marlon Mack be just so damn right. mediocre. For look, look, we'll, yeah. we have yeah, time we'll to talk, talk about, about that later. We talked. <laughs> we have time to talk about Jonathan Taylor. But today, let's start with the Thursday night game. It is the defending champions, the Chiefs, and they are taking on the Houston Texans. Let's start with the Texans. Brandon Cooks has a quad injury that kept him out of practice on Tuesday after limiting him on Monday. Tough break for him. It's going to be, you know, it's his first game with a new team, new offense. He's a speedster. It's a quad injury, so those soft tissue injuries, you never know when they're going to rear their ugly head in the middle of the game. Um, 
if I can, I'm staying away from Brandon Cooks at this point because of the, that injury and the, the extenuating factors. Um, if I have someone else on the bench uh, that I could play, I would. So I think that you know, for me, Brandon Cooks is a no go if he does, if he even if he plays, if he's going to get limited touches. I guess I'm used to the uh, heat wave setup because I, I was like, I'm so surprised you're talking about a receiver first off. Yeah, not quarterback, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it seems, um, honestly, it sucks that he's hurt right now. Brandon Cooks is someone that I was high on entering the season, but he sat at a practice Tuesday. He's questionable. And the Chiefs secondary, look, they weren't a lot of shootouts last year, but they were the second best team against wide receivers last season. So this is looking like a game where you might want to fade Brandon Cooks it looked like a juicy matchup when you first drafted him. I have him at about wide receiver 36, I think, right now. So I have him more as a flex rather than a wide receiver 36 because of the injury concerns. Um, I'd rather, of course, start Will Fuller, who last season he had two games over 140 yards. The rest were under 70. The hope is that this is a shootout so that Fuller meets that higher threshold, but everyone knows he's a boom-bust guy. And I have a sneaky feeling that Randall Cobb's going to be productive. People are ignoring that they paid him three years, $27 million. They're going to use him. Kendall Fuller, the Chiefs' best cornerback, walked this season. So he's not going to be covering Cobb in the slot. So if Cooks is hurt, Cobb is going to get those targets. Well, they do have Tyron Matthew, who works the slot very often, which does not bode well for Randall Cobb. Will Fuller is the one I'm most excited about. Rashad Breland, who they brought in, is also suspended for this week's game. So they can't even count on him to cover Will Fuller. So there's big potential here for Fuller. Last year when they played... Uh, the Chiefs in the regular season, he went 5 for 45, which does not seem great. And then you remember that was the game where Will Fuller had three dropped touchdowns. Literally, I remember because our brother Johnny has Will Fu- had Will Fuller on his home league fantasy team. The amount of curse words coming out of his mouth when he saw Will Fuller drop a third touchdown on the day. So I think Will Fuller has some massive potential here in a shootout type game. And Cooks is certainly risky. Uh, with the injury now, but I don't hate it as a flex option because this game has such a high total, like a 54.5 line, Vegas line. So they're expecting this to be a very high-scoring affair as well. I agree with Jason, man. I I, I mean, I like Will Fuller. He's going to be the number one guy. Um, But, dude, Randall Cobb I like all season because there's no one else on that wide receiver core that's going to take mid-middle-of-the-field throws. Brandon Cook's historically doesn't go over the middle of the field. Will Fuller doesn't go over the middle of the field. Who's going to get the tough yards in the middle of the field is going to be Randall Cobb. So I kind of I kind of like him all season. Let's go over to David Johnson. Real quick on Cobb, ahead, yeah, yeah, because he is, let me check to make sure the number, 10% rostered in Yahoo. Um, I'm going to be saying this a lot for a couple of guys. Pick him up now if you have an open roster spot because he's going to be a waiver wire ad if he performs well Thursday. Yeah. You always want to try to be ahead of the curve. And Cobb, at the end of the day, could end up leading the Texans in targets this season if the injury-prone guys get injured. So I would pick him up now while he's 90% available. Let's go over to David Johnson. It's going to be interesting to see what David Johnson's role is. Historically, the Texans running backs have been fantasy relevant. Um, Bill O'Brien has always fed his running back. Will Johnson see 20 carries and 5 to 10 targets, which is why people are on him? Or is he going to lose some of those targets? I think there's no way to know. We haven't had – this is his first time with the team. We haven't had any preseason to tell. Um, what do you expect out of David Johnson, who – I think this could be a good start for him. The Chiefs were much worse last season against the rush uh, compared to the pass, and 
I don't think it's going to change much this season. They lost Kendall Fuller. They also lost Reggie Ragland, which are big losses. But this is a team that was a much better pass defending team. And David Johnson, they are 10-point underdogs, which does not bode well for his rushing outlook. But if he gets involved in the passing game, that'll be a nice uptick as well since targets are more valuable than rush attempts in fantasy. Ivan's my RB20 this week, higher than higher than probably normally just because I feel like this this they have such a high potential to score points in this game against KC and David Johnson should be in line for a decent amount of work. Little a uh, shady stat though. Deshaun Watson last season when he was at the Chiefs in the regular season had 42 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Hmm. In the playoffs, he also ran for a touchdown. So, for some reason, it looks like Deshaun Watson's running into the end zone against the Chiefs. <laughs> oh, that playoff game where they, they blew a four-touchdown lead in one quarter? That is correct. Oh, yep. that game. Oh, okay. But if he runs into the end zone, that lessens the likelihood that DJ will. I think it's going to be a telling game for DJ. I'm not all in yeah. on him by any means. I want to see if he's a part of the passing game, if he has juice left. I feel like there's going to be a lot of victory laps on Twitter tomorrow night, no matter what side. Yeah. Comes out on top. I'll tell you, man, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be the first time ever that we're seeing everyone for the first time. So this is not really a, a – we at least had an idea of what the role might be based on how he played in the first quarter of a preseason game or something. Like, we have no idea. So um, this is going to be a hard one to predict. So go with – just go with that. Um, what about Duke Johnson? Um, you're not starting Duke Johnson at this point. I'm not, shady, but... Shady flex appeal if they go down early. Yeah, I feel like in full PPR, he is a sneaky um, flex play. I mean, in the last six Texans games, in three of them, he had five or more receptions. So that's why I really want to watch his game. I'm glad it's on a Thursday night to see how David and Duke's um, touches are distributed. Because if Duke Johnson becomes just a pure passing back and David Johnson doesn't really see targets which is unlikely in a Bill O'Brien offense, though, then Duke might end up being the better play weekly, which is crazy to think about. But that's probably not going to happen. Bill O'Brien usually likes a workhorse. That's why I'm very interested to see how many routes David Johnson runs. Uh, Darren Fells, Jordan Atkins, again, no preseason, so we don't know if any of those guys are taking the reins. They split time last year. Jason had a stat that was very interesting earlier in the offseason about how – yeah, I have it back. Yeah, go ahead. I brought it back, baby. Go ahead. <laughs> the two tight ends, they combined. Um, Fells and Aikens combined for 70, 70 receptions, 760 yards, and nine touchdowns last season. If they only had one of those guys, it'd be a great player. Top and 10 tight ends. I was looking forward to Easily being the only 10. person on Jordan Aikens this season. Like, I was just waiting for it to happen. But then the Texans brought back Darren Fells. So, yeah. I think Darren Fells. Taking one of those guys. And hoping it hits over Travis Kelsey in a Thursday night only DFS slate? No, that's an idea. Yeah, I feel like he's a DFS flyer, Darren Fells. He has a knack for finding the end zone, and what better time to find the end zone than against KC, who was who bottom 10 against tight ends last season, and there's no more DeAndre Hopkins. Um, let's go over to... Real quick, we... Oh, okay, okay, I thought you were saying... I thought you were going to transition to no. the Chiefs. No, 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 I'm on my game. It's only, it's only day one. I'm used um, to the heat wave. Deshaun Watson, you got... He got paid up. You paid up for him. The Texans paid up for him. Time to play him. I mean, there's you know, there's no reason to sit him. Yeah, you're obviously starting Deshaun Watson in a game with the highest total in Vegas against the Chiefs, against Patrick Mahomes. They're going to have to pass. So, very easy start. And like Jason said, three rushing touchdowns in the last two games against KC. 
Very yeah. nice. Not bad. All right, let's go over to the other side. Let's talk about CEH. You got to think, how much does he get? Does Daryl Henderson end up getting some work? Does he see, like we've seen before, Kareem Hunt not only did great in his first game as a rookie, but he also fumbled on his first possession, and Andy Reid still put him in. I'm a little higher on CEH than I am the other rookies because he has the best uh, situation. Right now, I have him at running back 17, like I said, but he has room to move up. Uh, the question is, what's his role? Do you think that he gets full workhorse role? Do you think that he splits with Darrell Williams? Yeah, Tim, I'm a little upset you're not calling him Clyde edwards at the moment, but I'll let it pass. <laughs> it's week one. Um, like you said, Kareem Hunt in his debut for the Chiefs, 148 rushing yards and a touchdown, five receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Holy moly. If you look at Andy Reid's career, from Deuce Staley to Brian Westbrook to LaShawn McCoy to Jamal Charles to Spencer Ware to Kareem Hunt. He wants a workhorse. He's always wanted a workhorse. To Damien Williams at the end of last season when he was finally healthy. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, hell yeah, is that workhorse. So I'm pu- I'm putting in my lineup confidently. Daryl Williams is a decent running back. When he saw more than 10 touchdowns last season in three games, ten he touches. averaged... Yeah, 10 touches in, more, in those three games. He averaged 16 PPR fantasy points. Whoa. So he's, a, he's decent. He's not a bad running back. Maybe there's some flex appeal there, but I think CEH is going to come in and take the reins. Maybe he'll get eased in a little bit, but he's going to get at least 60% of the snaps. You can't sit your first-round pick, so you're playing him. The, the I question think, is expectations. Yeah, I do think it's going to be interesting, though, because they didn't have a preseason game. And we know Reed likes his workhorse, but will that change a little bit week one since CEH literally has never taken an actual snap with Patrick Mahomes? I if didn't you, realize how... Michael just made my point after calling me stupid for making my point. He just literally reiterated what I said. You said you're fading every single rookie. How does that all because and you're only I'm a little the, cautious about CH and you're only fading I'm the not, best one. Tim just punched this thing <laughs> that hard. That was the we're vibration. actually in the same room for the first time in long. Yeah. If you guys can't tell, so this is a different. This not is different. Tim. All I'm saying is you drafted him with the first round pick. Obviously, you're starting the guy. So good luck. Hopefully, they they do use him as a workhorse. So shut up. Don't worry, we're distanced. And if you hear a slight breeze in the background, it's because we got the fan on. Sorry, we would usually not have and the a fan window open. and the windows open. So we wouldn't have a fan in the window usually, but you know you gotta gotta stay with the guidelines, keep each other safe and healthy. Um, I mean Tyree Kill, no again, brainer. no brainer. Patrick Mahomes, obviously no brainer. Um, I mean we don't really have to talk about them, but if you guys want to share some anecdotes, I mean the Texans. Bradley Roby, Vernon Hargraves, and Lonnie Johnson are their oh, cornerbacks. Like, oh my god, that's a beautiful. Beautiful backfield. What are you talking about? Not bad. Secondary. Secondary. So, yeah, start Tyreek Hill. Start Travis Kelsey. Get Sammy Watkins out of here. I don't care if Sammy Watkins goes eight for 1,000. This is his week, though. I don't care if he has 1,000 Historically, yards week. week one, he's like the he's like the Carl's Hyde of wide receivers. That's like, what I'm saying. If there's a time to start Sammy Watkins, it's week one. Well, that's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> I was saying what Michael was saying. Watkins or Hardman is probably going to have a good game. Yeah. This is a bad secondary. Maybe even... Uh, uh, what's his name? Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus, Ro- Demarcus Robinson might sneak in there. Yeah, sure. One of them is going to have a good game. But am I going to try to guess and start one? No. We think that McCole Hardman is going way too high in drafts. He's purely Tyreek Hill's handcuff. And you don't often see wide receiver handcuffs. So I don't know why he's being drafted so high. Yeah. But I'm not starting any of them. Yeah, me neither. They're, they're super risky flex options. If, just and like week last year. one, Week one, there's no bye weeks. You just drafted your team. Obviously, you like the guys you drafted. There's no reason why you should Because you got to remember, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, yes, but to touch on someone that we haven't talked about yet, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and CEH, or slash the running back, 
are the top three targets for Patrick Mahomes. Those are the yeah. first three people that the offense goes through. So we're talking about a three-person split for the fourth option in the offense. Yep. Um, I mean, Travis Kelsey's another guy. Um, I have him as my number two um, tight end this week only because George Kittle is, is playing Arizona, Arizona. And we'll get to why that's such a ridiculous matchup soon. Um, but, yeah, he's my number two guy right now. And then I got Mark Andrews in number three. I mean, the so Texans, I, I, that's how I feel. Shady gave up the fifth most points to tight ends last season as well. So they're also bad against the tight ends. So Kelsey and Kittle are automatic starts anyways. Locked and load. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Do you guys want to talk about anyone else? We're, you know, I just want you guys to know if you're listening to us for the first time, we do advertise every single fantasy-relevant player. This is week one, though, and there's there's no buys and you just drafted. So unless you have an injury or, like, you own Leonard Fournette, nothing has changed much between now and the time you drafted. So you're going to start the team that you drafted to start. So, you know, we don't have to get into the third, fourth string wide receivers that might have a good game because you need it. And, and, and we'll, we'll mention them, but get ready for us to go more in-depth into that as the year goes on True that. rather than today. Um, let's go over to the next game. The Jets are Jets at the Bills. Um, let's start with Denzel Mims and the rest of the wide receiver core. He had his first practice six days ago, Denzel Mims. He might have a lot of chance, but I already mentioned I'm fading rookies, especially rookies only had six days of practice. Brashad Perriman got cleared from an MRI, but he has swelling in his knee. They say he may wait, we play week one, but it's it's up in the air right now. I would stay away right now if if you had to give me the 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 choice. Uh, I like Jameson Crowder, though. Could catch 10 to 15 balls, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. Great high floor play. How do you guys feel about this receiving core? Even if Perriman plays, he's getting Tredavious White, which is a very tough assignment. So he'd need a big play to be relevant. He's not someone I'm really targeting this year. Uh, Jameson Crowder, like this you year said. Or this week? This week, excuse me. Jameson Crowder is someone, I agree with you, he should receive all the targets he can handle with a banged-up Perriman and Mims as the other options. And Chris Herndon, who's missed who just missed an entire year. Uh, he was top 12 receiver both times he played against Buffalo last season, which is interesting because uh, not a lot of players did that against Buffalo. I think they had less than 10 top 12 they gave games up, against them the entire year. They gave the second least fantasy points to tight ends yeah. last season. No, well, I'm talking about wide receivers, Tim. Jameson oh. Crowder. <laughs> Don't you just mention Chris <laughs> but, Herndon? Well, Chris Herndon, yeah, yeah. I was going to so get So they were great Chris against Herndon, tight ends but, and wide receivers. Well, it's because yeah. Crowder had 23 catches in those two games. Yeah. And... The Bills' slot corner in those games, Taron Johnson, is still their slot corner. So yeah. sign me up for Jameson Crowder. And historically, Adam Gase uses his slot receiver the most in the red zone. But getting to Herndon, something Jason likes to point out a lot, it's tough to look at overall tight end uh, defense, like how the, the Bills were top three at the end of the year in overall tight end defense, because a lot of teams don't necessarily use their tight ends. Like they played the Patriots twice last season who just don't use their tight end at all, really. Right. So... It's not the easiest, so it's it's not always the doesn't most doesn't correlate. Yeah, it doesn't correlate all the time. Yeah, it's not very indicative every now and then. But Chris Herndon... It's causation rather than correlation? Look, Chris no, Herndon yeah. is back. You switched it up. Yeah. And all reports are saying that him and Sam Darnold Groove is just exactly back to how it was when everyone was excited about him last season. I'm excited about Chris Herndon this week. I think this is a... Like, the... the Line in Vegas, 40 and a half. It is a low total, and I think this is going to be a defensive game, so I'm not super excited for Herndon. But I do think he has a chance to be a low tight end one this year and certainly a high upside tight end two. 
this week. Jeez Louise. And on that note, we got to transfer into weekly, weekly. It's it's funny because you have to now take away your biases, even if you're just a, a casual player. You have to take away your biases of what these guys could be throughout the year and now focus on what they could be this week. Yeah. It's a whole di- it's a transition. Like, it's one of the hardest transitions um, you can make out here. Exactly. A yeah. uh, sneak peek to later. You may have drafted Amari Cooper as wide receiver one, but that guy is going to be a bum and a half this week. So I would, I'd, I'd try not even to start him if I don't on my team, if I'm being completely honest. Uh-huh. We'll Ooh, get to that later. Interesting. But Chris Herndon is going to make my list again of grab him before the week starts if you have someone droppable. He's only 55% owned in Yahoo. Sam Darnold, stay away. No reason to start him right now. If you yep. have Sam Darnold as your week one quarterback, that means you're streaming, so stream someone else. Uh, rookie left t- tackle as well, f- an O line with five starters, five new starters. Um, you know, maybe it it might be a a plus for the Jets players in the long run, but you got to think about how's that going to play in the first game where they have to face competition. Um, although there was a lot of a lot of turnover on the the Bills defensive side, I think that's not getting that much pub. Um, everyone's kind of talking about how Josh Allen needs to get a lot better for that team to to be better, but they lost a lot on that defensive side. Uh, lost Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, their two best run defenders. So I think that uh, Le'Veon Bell, considering the the lack of wide receiver certainty and the fact that the run defense for the Bills might be a lot worse than it was last year, I think he could have a big game. Depends on Gase and how he uses them, but I, I tweeted this before. Le'Veon Bell's playing weight right now is 206. Last year he played at 225. That's 19 pounds down, and historically, when 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 running backs drop weight, they play better. He said he is at the best shape of his career. This is the first time in his career he feels like he's the perfect football playing machine. He's at four percent body fat. Four percent body fat. He's 28 years old, so like also just psychology. As you guys know, I'm a teacher. People's minds shift at 27. Mm-hmm. Um, their brains are now fully developed. So you could like that's why so many people mature at the age of 27. Like that's the most popular age to run your first marathon, et cetera, et cetera. So coming out with these crazy facts. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> I get it all. I look, that's why I like that's some of the reasons why I like Le'Veon Bell for the year. But I like him in this game, too, because I believe that they're going to feed him the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, first off, Paraman practice in full today as we're speaking. Um, still got swell. That's good. But still got swelling in the knee. They're not going to rush that. But I'm I mean, that's saying, good. It's good. It's good. He's a deep threat, which is what you want on the field if you're Le'Veon Bell. Also, we need to mention Chris Hogan's name because we talk about everyone, but let's not talk about Chris Hogan. So, Le'Veon Bell had at least five catches in both games against Buffalo last season. The new offensive line is there. We're going to see how it looks. Five completely new players. And Bill McDermott's Bills in 48... Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott's Bills in... Bill McDermott, (laughs) because it's the Bills. Sean McDermott's Bills in the three seasons that he's coached them have given up 44 rushing touchdowns. That's almost a rushing touchdown per game. So some people look at this matchup and think it's scary, but like you said, the Bills' rushing defense has lost some people. They've given up rushing touchdowns. The wide receivers are beat up a little bit. I know Adam Gase is some crazy guy who wants to use Frank Gore. I think Le'Veon Bell will be okay this week. Yeah, fire him up as an RB2. I agree. I'm not super scared off by the by the Buffalo matchup. Uh, let's go over to Buffalo on the offensive side. Jo- Josh Allen, if you drafted him, you're probably going to start him against the Jamal adams Jets. But this will be a test to see what the team plans to do for him. Because Josh Allen 
if he decides not to run as much, particularly at the goal line, then this can turn into a Mitch Trubisky-esque season real quick in ter- in fantasy-wise, right? Because like a lot like real Mitch life Tr- too. Real life too. <laughs> but a lot like Mitch Trubisky last year, he was a guy who struggles with accuracy, has a cannon for an arm, and can really run and is smooth with the running. Trubisky gave up that running and started leaning on his least at least uh good that's not the right term but whatever the, his worst attribute he leaned on it if Josh Allen also leans on his worst at, worst attribute it's going to be a struggle and even if he performs better as a quarterback and raises his his uh completion percentage he has so far to go in there that if he doesn't run he's going to fall off the fantasy map very quickly so this is going to be a good test to see how Josh Allen is used this season going forward yeah, everyone knows how I feel about Josh Allen at this point. And his ADP was far too high for me to draft him basically anywhere, so I don't have any Josh Allen shares. And with that being said, if you draft him, you're likely starting him this week. But I'm not nearly as high on Josh Allen as consensus. He's the QB7 right now. I have him as QB12. I think the people are underrating the Jets a little bit. Like, yes, they lost Jamal Adams. But Big loss. Pierre Desir. CJ Mosley opted out. Yeah, CJ Mosley did out that. They didn't have him last year so. either. Avery Williamson is back. Uh, Desir, Mollett, Blesson Austin, and Brian Poole is a better collection of corners than people think. This is the first time Josh Allen is playing with Stefan Diggs in any sort of capacity because there's no preseason game. So you don't know how how effective that connection is going to be week one. I'm just I'm not that big a fan of Josh Allen this week unless he uses those legs a lot. Unless if he doesn't rush for a touchdown, you might be a little disappointed. Like I still think he has that high has high upside here because of his legs but I also think he has a pretty low floor in this game with a low total and a game I expect to be pretty ugly overall if Josh Allen finishes with 13 points would you be shocked no not at all and it's and if he runs for a touchdown that turns a 13 point game to a 19 point game and you're and you're thrilled there you go so that's that's what you're waiting for for Josh that's what he is that's who Josh Allen is right and on the topic of this potentially be a low scoring game I agree and that's why the wide receiver. All right. First of all, the wide receivers. Cole Beasley never. Cole Beasley is the answer to that. And Brian Poole. The Beasley. <laughs> More points per game last year than OBJ, Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson. Great stuff. But real quick, Brian Dude, say Poole. That, say that louder for those who don't follow us on Twitter. More points per game than last year than OBJ, Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, a and, bunch of guys. And who Crazy. are you referring to? Cole again? Beasley. The Beasley. Look, it's too, well, anyways, it's too he's going early. against Brian Poole, though. It's too early for Cole Beasley to start, but I'm telling you, he's going to get in that wide receiver three column for you one of these weeks, and you're going to be happy you did it. He's just going to steal targets from people who you want to start. So that's just going to be a pesky <laughs> guy all season. What about Stephon Diggs, though? Like, if I if I had a if I had a bet and I was just like throwing bets at long shots, I think a long bomb from from Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs for maybe a touchdown. Or at least like an over, like maybe over a 40, 50 yard pass. I think that's a lock. You all know that I hate Stephon Diggs on the Bills. Uh, his true throw value last, his true target value last season would have been wide receiver 50 or something like that. He's being overdrafted, overused. This year, I mean, this week, I do think he can offer wide receiver three potential, and I'd sell high if he catches in on it. Stephon Diggs, all of his touchdowns last year were deep ones, and Allen struggles to connect with those. But I just have a feeling. This is a good matchup for Stefan Diggs, and we've seen like superstar type wide receivers come to teams, and they just force feed them that first week. Yep. They want to feature this new player, 
look at this guy. He's in our offense now. You need to be weary of him. And then later on in the season, that kind of dies out a little bit with the force feeding. I have a feeling it's going to be a force feed game for Stephon Diggs. So I do like him this week more than I like him for the season. It's 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 also human nature, right? You're that offensive coordinator. You're like, I got this fucking fast-ass human that can beat man coverage, and I got this other human that has a ridiculous arm that no one should have. Let's try this shit out once or twice. Yeah. I mean, I have Diggs as a high-end wide receiver three. I agree. I think there is definitely some potential here. I think there is. I Also, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Stefan Diggs ends with like a three-catch, 42-yard type line right. too, though. Right. This is a. I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game at all. And then John Brown torched the Jets week one last year, but that was Tremaine Johnson, who was the worst cornerback in the league before the Jets cut him. So now he also is going to start getting vultured a bit by Stefan Diggs. So I think he's a flex-type option, but again, someone I'm not super excited about this week either. Can I just say, you know you're low on someone when you go... I got him at a wide receiver three, and you should sell high on him when he does that. That's what Jason said. Like, I got him at wide receiver three, and you should sell high. Yeah, I don't like this. Like, you're not going to be able to sell high if he finishes at wide receiver three. And the only other pass catcher on the team, Dawson Knox. You go wait and see with him. Yeah, yeah definitely wait and Jason see with Dawson Knox. Jason's just taking my job now. Fine. Fine, Jason. We were on pass catchers. <laughs> uh, let's go over to the running backs. In the blue corner. Fuck out of here. I just got to. Fuck out of here with Zach Moss. You can tell. In the blue corner. Weighing in at 5'9", 200 and some odd pounds. Uh, Devin Singletary in the red corner. Weighing in at, I think, 5'8", and some 200 some odd pounds. Zach Moss. Uh, Look, the debate has been raging on on Twitter. If you're part of fantasy Twitter, you know that there is a camp that strongly believes in Singletary, another camp that strongly believes in Moss. Well, the showdown begins. This is gut check time for all those people. The questions that need to be asked. Who gets the goal line work? Is it even one of them or does it stay Josh Allen? Who catches the passes? Who plays the most snaps? Who gets the most carries? We are going to find out. In the meantime, week one is approaching. For me personally, you know how I feel about the rookies. I would stay away from Zach Moss. I'd start Devin Singletary in this one. Although Devin Singletary have, has had fumbling issues in camp. Michael, uh, I got to stop hitting this thing. It sounds like a craziness. Michael, what do you think? Uh, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, how are you playing these guys? Look, man, I don't understand. First off, Zach Moss's ADP ended up jumping Devin Singletary's during Labor Day weekend, which is just absurd rookie hype. But anyways, I don't understand how you could be excited about a rookie running back in a committee against a team that was second best against the run the previous year. And it's not like the Jets changed their defense that much. Minus Jamal Adams, they got the same people up front. They got Avery Williamson returning and the linebackers as well, which helps. So I don't understand how how people could be excited about playing Zach Moss this week. It's touchdown or bust, 100%. And meanwhile, Devin Singletary, who was good last season when he was a chance to be the workhorse, is going to be the starter. He's likely going to get the most work, at least in week one. We'll see if this whole Zach Moss is going to become the starter thing comes into fruition, but I'm not expecting that to be the case at all week one. I'm not even super excited about Devin Singletary this week against the Jets uh, against the Jets defense because they're pretty damn good against the run, and this is a team that they're going to they're gonna run. I expect this to be low scoring. I just don't see them scoring many touchdowns I, I think this is going to be one of those games where it's like 14 to 10 or like 20 to 14 type of thing and I just I don't see huge upside especially if they vulture each other 
But if I'm going to play one of them, I prefer Singletary as more of like a flex option than an RB2 option this week. It's but, all about playing time. Yeah. Last year, Singletary, when he took over, saw at least 65% of the snaps. From week 7 to 16, he was PPR running back 18. He was a good fucking player. And everyone, like, Zach Moss wasn't even good in college. Like, he's the most overhyped rookie He wasn't good in college. His, dude, (laughs) his peripherals are ugly, man. But to say that he wasn't good, he... He he, he was good in college. He smashed records. His his peripherals are bad, is what I wanted to say. Good in college is not the way to say that. But, like, I've never seen someone with... Usually it's analytical Twitter who gets crazy. Like, look at this guy's spark score. This guy is not a good athlete, according to that stuff. And everyone thinks he can overtake Singletary, who was a great running back last year. Also, who didn't grade very well in, sp- in terms of spark score and things like that. So the Bills got maybe their, uh, maybe the Bills got some secret sauce that they're giving their running backs. Um, yeah, I think I think that it's a, it's going to be tough uh, for either of these guys if they don't score a touchdown. But one thing needs to be said though that Jamal Adams is a big difference maker for this run defense. Um, let's go over to our next game: the Vikings at the Packers. I feel like this is one of those Packers games- at Vikings. Yes, Packers at Vikings. Oh, sorry, Packers at Vikings. Uh, I feel like this is one of those games where it's less of a crapshoot and you know what to expect because these teams play each other. They're bringing back very similar squads. They're in division. Uh, they're bringing back almost the same coaching staff, although Kevin Stefanski leaves um, his assistant or special advisor, uh, Gary Kubiak, comes in. Let's start with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, QB 19 and QB 28 in two games in Minnesota last season. Um, but... You got a rookie cornerback playing in his first game against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think Alan Lazard might be a sneaky start because of that. Um, so if you ha- if you need help in your wide receiver three and flex spot, look, he's going against a rookie cornerback. You like that matchup. Uh, Xavier Allroads' lead to the end zone is gone. They have Mike Hughes and Holton Hill as their starting corners right now. Uh, Jeff Gladley, that first-round pick that I was talking about, historically does take corners a little a little while to develop. This is the first game against Aaron Rodgers, who knows how to take advantage of that. Um, I mean, they they do have probably the best safety tandem in the game, um, led by Eric Smith. So with that being said, well, now Derwin James is gone. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, excuse me. So with that being said, um, what do you? How do you guys feel about Aaron Rodgers? I know how you feel about him, about him, all you know, all the way. Yeah, I see what you're saying, long. Tim, but. Xavier Rhodes was awful last season, so you can't really get worse than him. I don't care who they're throwing out there. Awful. And Aaron Rodgers has averaged less than two touchdowns per game the last two seasons. He QB had 19 one t- and 22 in the last two games. He had one touchdown combined in his last two games in Minnesota from last year and the year before. He's just not good on the road, and honestly, he's not that good anymore in general. He's, Look, more, like, he's more of a game manager at this point. This is a bad matchup. I'm all aboard the Aaron Rodgers isn't that good anymore bandwagon, but... The Vikings lost Everson Griffin and their three cornerbacks from last year. Like, they got Mike Hughes and Holton Hill on the outside. Two guys that the normal football fan haven't even heard of. So, to me, it's like, yes, it's a bad matchup. Yes, he has historically struggled in Minnesota. But Minnesota historically has been a lot better of a defense. And we don't know what they're going to get out of their secondary this year. And losing Everson Griffin is a big loss as well. So I'm I'm a little more on the Aaron Rodgers. I have him as my QB 15, so not super high on him, but definitely willing to take a shot on him depending who your options are. Look, I don't think A-Rod, like I just said, he's averaged less than two touchdowns per game the last two seasons. 
If he's going to throw touchdowns, it's probably going to be to Devontae Adams. And honestly, Aaron Jones, who's the most underrated pass-catching wide receiver running back in the league. So I find it trust the, hard to trust anyone besides Devontae Adams in that pass offense. That includes Jace Sternberger. Maybe because he has a cool name, people want to talk about him. Dude, maybe he could be something. But Aaron Rodgers isn't able to keep that many people afloat these days. And to think that Jace Sternberger is going to take this giant jump at the moment is blasphemy. You just think Jace is a cool name because your name is Jason. I mean, Robert Tanyan was higher on the first step chart. So All right, there you go. There's that. All right, so let's go to the running backs then. Aaron Jones. Um, some of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown many touchdowns against these teams is because Aaron Jones fucking demolished the the Vikings last year. He bent them over, and they made him call him daddy. Um, finished RB2, RB4 in two games against the Vikings last season. You mentioned that Everson Griffin is gone. They also lost Linval Joseph um, up the middle as well. Um, this could be a big week for him. Uh, A.J. Dillon, who is probably the big reason why you don't like Aaron Jones, is listed as third string on the depth chart, so he's not an issue right now. Um, Aaron Jones, I think, goes off. I have actually more in a little uh, article that we're going to put out weekly on BrotoFantasy.com that we'll tell you about later on, but uh, yeah, Aaron Jones is my is one of my favorite plays this week. Also to note, Michael Pierce, the player that they brought in to replace Linval Joseph, opted out for COVID. So, not good, not good. But yeah, I, I agree with Tim. I think Aaron Jones is said to be a very nice piece this year, uh, excuse me, this week without Everson Griffin, <laughs> without Linval Joseph. I keep saying years. You keep saying years. It's so funny. I'm like aggravating myself. I'm sorry, folks. But yeah, Aaron Jones is in a good position to succeed, especially on the road as well, where Aaron Rodgers has struggled last over the last couple of years. So, they may lean on the running game a bit more. And I do think Aaron Jones. I mean, even if he only gets 50% of the snap share, that's what he got last year, too. And he was still a monster with that. So I think he has a, a good shot to be a very good very good player this week. And obviously, you're putting him out there. A lot of people are talking about the touchdown regression for Aaron Jones. And I think that a touchdown re- regression is coming. To expect 16 touchdowns again is ridiculous. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as drastic as people think. I don't think that the, the Packers all of a sudden, they don't have more guys in the red zone than they do before. And Aaron Jones shows a nose for the end zone. So I think that, yeah, I think him being a little underrated this year, definitely shown out. Uh, let's go over to the, to the Vikings. Let's start with the QB this time too. Uh, Kirk Cousins struggled against the Packers secondary last season for sure. Um, they bring back all their DBs from last year. The Packers who have one of the more underrated uh, DB cores in the league uh, because they were so bad for so long. Remember when they were starting Sam Shields over there and then they drafted and they drafted and they drafted and they, and then they signed Adrian Amos to play safety. Um, one of the more underrated and unsung heroes of that bears defense two years ago. Um, so he's back first thing with, without digs. Look, there's no reason to start Kirk cousins this week. I'm staying away. Yeah. Uh, the Packers were a, a better passing defense than they were a rushing defense last season. And Kirk Cousins had under 10 points both games against them. It's also his first game without Stefan Diggs. So definitely, you could, should definitely be looking elsewhere in your uh, typical 1QB leagues. Especially because we don't really know what his weapons are going to look like right now. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So let's, let's talk about the wide receivers. Because outside of Thielen, you can't start anyone in the receiving core. Exactly. No. Justin Jefferson had COVID and then dealt with injuries. Uh, they're exciting young rookie. Ola Bissy Johnson is... Oh, well, Bissy now. Bissy? The most news he's ever made in his life was changing his name. Jason, you're harsh today. It's true. 
It's not, and, it's not nice. And Tajay Sharp apparently was Stefan Diggs' replacement, according to Adam Schefter, but we haven't heard a word about him since he joined the Vikings. So, sharp call. They have a good secondary. These are... It's probably going to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion, because the Packers aren't going to score much against Minnesota. So I'm staying away from all those people except Thielen. Thielen, yeah. historically, by the way, if you're if you're nervous, say, hey, Stefan Diggs is gone, so is that going to open up more opportunity or less opportunity for Adam Thielen? Historically, because Stefan Diggs misses a lot of games, uh, Adam Thielen has put up more PPR games, more points in PPR games without Stefan Diggs than he has with. Not too much, about 1.1. But his average targets go up from about seven to about nine. So two more targets for him every game. That is something that is very much welcome for the Adam Thielen owner. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Alexander and Kevin King is a very nice combo that they have there in Green Bay. I'm obviously, I'm a little, I have Adam Thielen 15th overall just because of the target potential. His expert consensus ranking right now is number 12. I'm a bit scared off here. I just, I don't know, Kirk Cousins really struggled last season against Green Bay, and we'll see how Adam Thielen is because he was just bad last season. So a little risky, in my opinion. I don't think he's as big of a smash play as people are making him out it's to gonna be. be. It's going to be a Dalvin cooking. Um, I agree. Every running back who saw at least 20 carries last season against Green Bay finished as a running back two or better. Most of the time, they were running back ones. Dalvin Cook was one of those guys. Um so considering the way I think this game is going to go, they're home, they're going to want to control the ball, it's going to be a Dalvin Cook smash game. Remember I was telling you about how Aaron Jones finishes the RB2 against the Packers and that he killed the Packers last year? Vikings. I mean the Vikings. Dalvin Cook in that same game finishes the RB1. So the go. RB1 and RB2 in fantasy um, were both in that game. In case you were wondering what it's going to be like. Um, in the tight ends, again, I think it's, you know, Kyle Rudolph sometimes is a TD-dependent streamer, but... Until you can prove that Irv Smith Jr. is not going to take a lot of his work, I think that you stay away from him. Yeah, Irv Smith is the preferred option for me here, but this is definitely a wait-and-see approach type of thing for me. Irv Smith is someone, like Jason's been saying, pick up now, and if he has a big game, you'll be happy you picked him up. Because let's see how involved he is in the offense, if he's going to be moving over to the slot more, maybe even line up out wide, how many targets he gets. Because Irv Smith definitely has a lot of potential this season if they start using him more i was about to say that he could emerge as the uh, cousins number two option this game so pick him up now um let's move on to the next game eagles at the washington football team let's start with the eagles i feel like everyone (laughs) everyone in fantasy has the same like it's mad funny you go on twitter and all these and all these guys they're like yo I have an idea. No one else has thought of this idea before. Deshaun Jackson, even though you got him in the 12th round, bro, is a great start in week one, bro. Yo, I'm the only person who thought of this, bro. The only one. And everyone's saying the exact same thing. So what do you what do you think? Is he the Look, week man, one I do worst kept secret player. ever? I'm gonna I'm I named Deshaun Jackson the week one maniac. This guy's had six six times in his career he's had over uh, had over a hundred yards. In a week one performance. Damn. <laughs> Six times. That's what he does. He just goes off week one. He gets the... Uh, That's fucking crazy. The Redskins now who lost Quinton Dunbar, which means their secondary is completely right open. Now they have Fabian Moreau and Ronald Darby out wide. They did bring in Kendall Fuller. Disgusting. Well. Kendall Fuller's in the slot, though. Kendall He's Jenner. A Kendall Fuller. Kendall Jenner? Uh, it doesn't even make right. sense. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, look. DJX is a good week one play. I'm not a huge DJX guy, but the Redskins defense sucks. 
They have bad cornerbacks. Jalen Rager and Alshon Jeffrey are both expected to be out. Fire up D-Jax. Uh, yeah, so I agree. Uh, Jason, how do you feel about that? No, I agree. And plus, Carson Wentz in his career against Washington in five games has 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. That's almost three touchdowns a game. I think Deshaun Jackson's going to catch one of them. Um, Greg Ward and Jay Draw on the outside or slot or wherever aren't that much of a competition against him. I think it's going to be a Ertz and Djax game with Miles Sanders receiving some looks as well. Um, if it was only last year when two of those touchdowns you were talking about actually did go to eight one fifty four and two, which is line last year week one, and that was against Washington. There you go, the okay. Washington football team. Because people also forget Washington is a pretty good D line now. They drafted Chase Young. They have. Sweat, Payne, Allen, Ryan Kerrigan. It's a pretty good D-line. So it might be hard to run the ball, although last season running backs averaged 32 touches per game against Washington. That was because they suck. They're losing. So I also like Miles Sanders in this game because if they need to score, he'll catch passes. He's a very good pass catcher. And if they take a lead, he's going to run, and he's going to get looks. So even though it's an improved D-line, volume matters when you're running the ball. What about Miles Sanders? Are you, are you worried about his injury right now? Still not practicing fully. Um, do you think they lighten his workload, or do you think this is a Miles Sanders all the way game? Even if he's limited, you're still going to start him. I mean, Boston Scott worth worth it if he's limited. I feel like the only reason, the only way Boston Scott is worth it is if the Eagles go up by like twenty points early in the third quarter, and then Boston Scott starts playing a lot more and ends up getting fifteen touches himself. He's not someone I'm like actively looking to play. And if you're starting Boston Scott, your team needs some work. Zach Ertz, uh, got on your, straight up. Your team needs some work. No, no f's given. Uh, Zach Ertz got off to a slow start last year, but that's because Deshaun Jackson was lighting the world on fire for that first game. Going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays, how they balance that. Um, but Ertz ADP dropped for the first time ever since he kind of broke out, and you got a great bargain for him. Like, I mean, who? what tight end starting over Zach Ertz? Yeah, the, you're getting Zach Ertz in like the fifth round now. It's crazy. Yeah, and at the end of the second half of last season, Zach Ertz had five of his six double-digit target games, and Goddard saw at least five targets in all those games as well. So the whole Goddard is going to steal work from Ertz theory is moot. Do you play Goddard, though, in this game, or do you sit him? I don't. I've never been a Goddard guy. I'm not playing the second tight end for a team. I know it might sound dumb or it might sound like I'm not taking it seriously enough, but tight ends are valuable because they don't see that much work. Goddard is going to get five targets on a team that's probably going to not pass that much once they take the lead. I'm not I'm not starting Goddard. I think there's some upside there, especially yeah, if Rager and Jeffrey there. are out. If Rager and Jeffrey are out, he's, he's more enticing to me. But I, I don't hate the idea of streaming Goddard if you're – if you want, if you wait in on tight end, yeah, especially if you have like Gasicki, who I prefer Goddard to Gasicki. Yeah, she showed up at number two on the depth chart, and people on Twitter are saying it's because he's the better pass blocker, and I don't, I don't know what that means. I said he's the slot receiver for Chan Gailey. He was an awful slot receiver last year. We'll talk about it later. It's fucking dumb. All right, um, I mean, let's go to Washington. I don't want to talk about Washington. I want to talk about two players, and that's it. I hope you guys – I mean, it's it's Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. There's really no time – there's no reason to waste Listen, your time on anyone else. Well, first of all, I want to note Logan Thomas because enough of Logan Thomas. That's all I want to say. 28-year-old tight end. Some people think he's going to be like a thing this year. Converted quarterback. Um, 
Steven Sims averaged almost 10 targets per game in the last three games last season. Not much competition brought in, except maybe Antonio Gibson, if you consider he's going to get more targets. I wouldn't start him this week, but someone to keep an eye on, because if he sees a lot of targets again, he's going to be a volume-based play some weeks. For Terry McLaurin, the Eagles were fourth in fantasy points given up to the wide receiver last season. Second worst in 40-plus yard passes, which could be a Steven Sims. Nice, uh, nice transition there. Uh, McLaurin also put up two wide receiver one finishes on the Eagles last year, including his first game ever. Now they did bring in Darius Slay. Big play Slay, baby. But they call him big play Slay because Darius Slay is not one of those guys who's going to shut down your number one guy. As you could obviously tell, he hasn't been that. He's a guy who's going to get interceptions. He's going to make big plays. Big plays slay. He's not necessarily a shutdown receiver. So I'm not shying away from Terry McLaurin because of Darius Slay. And I think he's going to have a good game. I mean, Darius Slay is by far better than anyone. Sure. They were throwing out there last year. And honestly, Darius Slay last year is probably... I think he... Talking about how they're human, I wouldn't be shocked if he has a much better season this year in Philly rather than wasting another year in Detroit just because of the, the new fire under him but Terry McLaurin is someone I'm viewing as more of a low-end wide receiver too for this week I'd like to see how the connection with Dwayne Haskins transfers over he was wide receiver 36 last year with Dwayne Haskins as his QB to end the year so not anything crazy will Dwayne Haskins suck or will he be better that's really what the thing is because if Dwayne Haskins sucks Terry McLaurin is going to be hindered a bit by that no matter how you look at it I do think you'll get a lot of work though um, he definitely Eagles, will get work. The Eagles' best attribute last season was their run defense. The Washington O-line, believe it or not, is bad. And their I, number one running back right now is either Peyton Barber or Antonio Gibson, who had 33 carries in his life. So it looks like a game where Dwayne Haskins might throw the ball 40-plus times, which means McLaurin is going to have to do something. Let's talk about Antonio Gibson um, because you just mentioned him. I have a hard time trusting... Anyone who had 33 carries his entire life in college. I have a particularly hard time trusting that person in a COVID year where he had no reps against other teams. I particularly uh, don't trust that person if they have Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick both listed on top of him in the depth chart. Look, a couple... Weeks ago, you were drafting Antonio Gibson in the 8th, ninth, maybe even 10th round, and it was a lot easier of a decision to keep him on the bench. People are getting crazy and taking him before Le'Veon Bell nowadays. A little bit harder to make that decision and keeping him on the bench, but I don't like Antonio Gibson in this game. I would not like to start him. I mean, this is about as high-risk, high-reward as you could get, right? Like, sure, there's high upside, but at what cost will it be? Will he be heavily involved? Will they be giving the ball to Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick instead or Bryce Love? You, none of us have any idea, and if anyone says they do, they're just they're lying to you. I honestly like, think Peyton, like Jason said, the Eagles were great against the run last season as well. So it's like it's not even like they're they have a good outlook this game. Really, it's it's really tough to trust anyone in the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Peyton Barber gets a decent amount of rushing work. He's like their most. I agree. Runner at the if he goes like twelve rushes for thirty five yards, I would not be shocked at all. Peyton Barber, that is. All right, guys, so before we want to move on, we want to we want to tell you guys about another product that we really believe in. This product, we even are giving to the champions of our Brodo Leagues. We are, yes. 
It's called Party Belts, PartyBelts.com. Look, it's COVID season. People need their money. People, you, maybe you don't know where the money's coming from. Maybe you, but at the same time, you want to have your fun. You want to be able to get to get into your fantasy leagues. You want to be able to have a trophy. You want to be able to have a championship belt that looks great and is an affordable price. And at Party Belts, that's exactly what you get. You get a great belt. You can completely customize it, customize it with your own font, your own logo, your own wording. It looks dope as hell. It has two little things on the side that you can hold beers in. So you can literally tell your opponents, hold my beer. <laughs> it's, no. it's, it's, it's the highest quality championship belt you can get at the price point that you're at. Only, what is it? How much is the $35 if you go custom, $30 if you don't. $35 for a custom belt. You can't beat it, and it does not look like it's $35 whatsoever. No, it looks dope. Um, It has, you can customize. We have the Brodo logo on it, Brodo Fantasy Football League patron champion. Um, It has a one-size-fits-all strap. The beer holders are super secure, so you don't have to worry about spilling your beer. Like, me and Michael were like, oh, shit. Like, this could really hold stuff tightly. Um, Very good dude, dude running it. Only $35 a belt with code BROTO, B-R-O-T-O, all caps. You get 15% off. So you're looking at a prize for, if you have 12 people, you're not even dropping $3 each. And you got an awesome belt that you can wear to next year's draft. Bring some beers in it, and it'll be a fun time. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's at a price point where, like, yeah, you could pass it around, like some other belts that cost 200 300 bucks, Or... You could just get a new one for your league every year, and you can keep your championship belt, and keep it can be like a little trophy. It. Keep you can put the year on it. it. Everything you can put your team name on it. You can keep you can keep t- customizing it over and over and over again, and you're getting ten belts, ten years worth of belts for the price of one um, on another other companies. Again, the promo code Brodo, Brodo. Uh, I mean, party belts, the official championship belt of Brodo. Boom. Boom. Um, all right, let's get into our next game. We are going to go to the AFC North Browns at Ravens in a rivalry as thick as time. Um, thick is not the word at all there. Packers Brown. Um, Baker Mayfield. Uh, terrible year last year. Really disappointing. But had a really bad O line. O line better now. So he's facing. <laughs> Could be like a baby. O line better. Now. <laughs> I love O-line. The O-line is better now, all right? The O-line is better now. Um, How much of an effect does that have on Baker? Dude, he's actually had relative success against Baltimore in his career. Relative, I say, because only one quarterback scored more than 16 fantasy points against him last year. Hot dang. So, relatively, he did well. Overall, not so much. Um, It's going to be nice to see him with a better O-line. Jack Conklin is a huge addition. I want to see Baker Mayfield when he's not panicking. Uh, this isn't the week to start him, though. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, let's talk about guys that you're going to start. Nick Chubb, he led the league in rushing last season. Led the league in rushing more than Derrick Henry. He had more yards than Derrick Henry. Um, then you got Kareem Hunt, who just signed a two-year extension with the team. You don't sign your backup running back to a two-year extension if you just want him to be a backup running back. It's very clear that he's going to be involved in this game beyond just running back. I think they're going to deploy him as a Swiss Army knife. I can't wait to see Kareem Hunt uh, be unleashed. I think that both him and Chubb 
have the capability of having the good game, uh, having a good game. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is there. They're going to try and control the pace. They're going to try and control the tempo against another running team. They're going to try and keep the ball, and I think that they're going to hand the ball off a lot. They're going to find Kareem Hunt out of the backfield a lot, and I think that both of these running backs are in for a pretty good game. Kareem Hunt spent 33% of his snaps last season as a wide receiver. That's second in the league, only behind Tariq Cohen, who spent 39% of his snaps there. Uh, so there is room for both of them. Plus, the Vikings averaged 29.5 rush attempts per game last season under Stefanski. There's room for both. Chubb can have 25 rushes. Hunt can have five rushes and five catches. Yeah, I I agree. I'm just I'm not super high on their backfield in this game because last year Chubb had that huge game against Baltimore, right, where he went for like 150 yards and three touchdowns. That was with their starting nose tackle out. I'm blanking on the name. The next time when he was healthy... Chubb ran for 45 yards and no touchdowns. The Ravens are a good team, man. They're a very good defense. They they allowed the 28th. They were 28th in rushing yards allowed last season. Like, well, third. Like, third in the league. So they were good in rushing yards <laughs> allowed last season. Jeez, Louise. They also added Calais Campbell. Calais. Calais Campbell, who PFF ranked as a 2019 run defender of the year. And he's been the run defender of the year since. Yeah, the dude's a monster. So... I'm scared off by Chubb a little bit there because he doesn't really get much work. Kareem Hunt, I'm also a little weary of. I think he's a decent flex play, but I really want to see how he's going to mix into this Kevin Stefanski offense first. And it's not the best matchup ever for him to really have a big game. So I'm I'm not the biggest fan of those two in the backfield this year. This Chubb week, th- this week, geez, I think Chubb I'm is more. I'm about to punch of, you in the. I think Chubb is more of a mid-range RB two and. Hunt is a flex guy this week. Oh, so punched in the aorta is what you're going to <laughs> Um, I agree with you. I, I think that it's hard. Yes, you know, conventional wisdom says it's hard to, to predict uh, Kareem Hunt's role, but I think the fact that he just got that extension really predicts his role for him For in, in terms of this. But uh, let's go to the wide receivers. OBJ really struggled against the, the uh, Ravens in his first matchup. Finished as wide receiver 68. Did a lot better in his second matchup, but still disappointing. Wide receiver 16. I mean, I'm sorry, wide receiver 24 in week 16. Uh, how do you feel about um, the the shitty one himself? I don't love um, Brown's pass catchers this game. OBJ. Dude, the Ravens um, secondary, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith. It's a very good secondary. But OBJ is least. always one play away from making a play. And if this offensive line is better then that's going to help OBJ. So I'll, you start him as a wide receiver 2-3, and you hope for the best. Jarvis Landry I'm a little more weary of because, again, very good players. And Landry recently came off the pup. Not many people are talking about it. Who knows how healthy he actually is. I think quietly one of the best options in this game is Austin Hooper. The Ravens don't have Earl Thomas anymore. And don't give me shit about David Njoku taking playing time away because that scrub was third on the depth chart. Behind Harrison Bryant. Jason is mean. And they paid Austin Hooper a lot of money. A lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Hooper outscores Jarvis Landry this week. I also want to say. A whole lot of money. A whole lot of money. I got a whole lot of money. This is also a Kevin Stefanski offense who has liked to use two wide receivers, two tight ends in the past. So if Jarvis Landry isn't really coming out of the slot and is lining up out wide more, that hurts him a little bit too because he's been a much better slot receiver in his career. And. Austin Hooper, like you said, he gets the targets, man. Kevin Stefanski offense. Don't be surprised if Hooper sees six, seven, eight targets. And 
it's the the Ravens were one of the best teams against the tight end last year, but Earl Thomas is gone, and th- the Browns are likely going to be down and may need to pass a bit. So Hooper isn't a isn't a fade for me, and I'm I'm sure me and Jason are going to be higher than consensus on him this week, as we have been basically all off season. We call Lamar Jackson Lamar or Mister Jackson. Um, what do you think the Cleveland Browns call him? Daddy. Daddy. That's exactly <laughs> what they call him. Nice. Um, last year, he finished as QB2 and That QB... wasn't even, like, planned, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> QB2 and QB3 um, overall last year, so he torched the Browns. If you drafted LJ, you're playing him. So, like, uh, yeah, play him again against a good matchup. Yeah. Obviously, you start Lamar Jackson. Job well done, Tim. You know, that's what I do out here. Uh, a more... A more harder decision is Ingram versus Dobbins. More harder. You guys stop talking like a baby for this one. <laughs> Ingram goes smash smash. <laughs> um, <laughs> Into the end end zone. I think that uh I think that you don't have to worry about JK Dobbins in this first game. Like I said, I'm staying away from the rookies. I think Mark Ingram has a touchdown Dude, here. If you drafted Mark Ingram in the fifth round, sixth round, wherever you took him, it was for the early season. Because there's a chance Dobbins takes over and becomes the lead back. This isn't the game where you don't use Ingram. You should be excited to have him. He has a yeah, good man. chance of finding the end zone. Dobbins is a rookie likely to be eased in. Gus Edwards will probably get some work. But this is the game where that you drafted Ingram for this in the next few weeks. I mean, the Browns gave up the third most rushing yards last season. They lost Joe Schobert, who was one of their uh, best linebackers as well during the offseason. So I agree. He's a very safe running back two option this week. And he's always been a bit TD dependent. Since he's not super involved in the passing game. But this week is... As good a week as ever for him to find the end zone. And Dobbins is definitely a scary gamble if you're playing him this week. Yeah, it's a scary gamble. I'm staying away from Dobbins. Um, last time we saw Mark Andrews on the field making fantasy plays, he finished as the number one overall tight end at Cleveland in week 16. Also finished as, QB, as uh, tight end nine in Cleveland earlier in the year with 11.1 points, which you're very happy for out of your tight end in any situation. Um I told you already how much I love Mark Andrews. He was one of my hat hangers. Uh, for the second year in a row, he's a hat hanger. He didn't even play 50% of the snaps, and he did all that damage this year. I'm interested to see how many snaps he's actually in on. There's a good chance that he increases his role by over half. So yeah. like, so what what I mean by that is like he played on 50% of snaps. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays in 75% of snaps this year. Like I think that they're, they're preparing him to be the number one receiver. This will be the first game, it will be, the first game in his career that he passes 55% snap share. It's pretty ridiculous. He only played two more snaps per game than Hunter Hurst last year, and he still roasted the Browns twice. He's, he roasted everyone, and now he's going to be on the field more. I don't know how Mark Andrews is not being lauded in this fantasy landscape. Oh, I, no. I don't know how. I don't know how. I agree. Let me. All right, so it's obvious where Andrews is going to get more work. Hayden Hurst is gone, right? Right. Someone explain to me where the rationale that Marquise Brown is going to get more work comes from. So let's, let's, I think that what um, I was about to get to that because Marquise Brown is one of those guys who his ADB just keeps on rising and rising and rising and rising. There are some very, very smart fantasy guys claiming Marquise Brown like is going to be a top 10 receiver this year and just mind-boggling to me. I, there's some good ones. Some guys I respect personally really, really banking on Marquise Brown. Um, I'm not doing that because I'm in the camp that Mark Andrews is the number one receiver. Let's not forget that 
over half of Lamar Jackson's throws in his career, including the year he was MVP, went to a tight end. And now the other tight end he throws to is not there anymore. Um, but Marquise Brown in this matchup in particular, um, do you think that he catches a long one? I think he's an upside wide receiver three. Lining up against Denzel Ward is not great. It's not like Ward's a lockdown corner, but he's a very solid cornerback. I do think the Ravens are going to be running a bunch. They're favored a ton in this game as well. So, again, he's what's he going to see? Five to six targets, maybe? You just got to hope one of them's a long touchdown. Miles Boykin is someone that I'd add before games are played this week. I'm saying a lot of people, but, you know, some people might need a tight end. Some people need a wide receiver. People that at least put on your watch list. I don't know. I don't see the number two wide receiver in, in Baltimore doing a lot. Who's to say he's the number two? Doesn't Ah. He had he got similar work to Marquise Brown at the end of last season. People ignore the fact that Marquise Brown didn't see more than four targets after week four last year. Boykin was one of my my guys in my my guys article series. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, let's go over to the next game: Colts at Jaguars. Um, let's start with the with the running backs: Jonathan Taylor and Marlon. Because I'm the Taylor. Um, are, am I going to argue? Sit here and argue that Marlon Mack is a great player? No. Am I going to sit here and argue that Jonathan Taylor is a bad player? Definitely no. What I will tell you is that Jonathan Taylor is a rookie who's never seen guys come off a of blitz before. Now he's seeing the Jaguars, which Jag- the Jaguars is probably the worst team ever. But this is not a guy who has seen NFL pass protection before, who has seen the speed of an NFL game before. In a very veteran-laden lineup. And a veteran playing before him that actually did have some success last year. You could say all you want about Marlon Mack's skills, and I agree with you. He's not the best, but he had success last season. So with that being said, I think it's Marlon Mack's show in this one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a Marlon Mack show. I think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor is the main guy, but I do think it's going to be It's a complete annoying... guess. Both of us are guessing. It is, yeah. That's what I'm That's. How you got to look at it too. Not Anyone you who draft him that high. If you're listening to someone who's telling you this is how it's going to be, they're lying to you. They're Nobody lying. Nobody really knows. knows. But like Jason said, not when they're drafted that high. They spent a high draft capital on Jonathan Taylor. He's been talked up all off season. I think he's going to just put in work, man. And I think Marlon Mack is going to have a decent game too. I think JT. I have him as a low end RB two, Mack as a flex option. I think both have really a lot of potential to be decent this week because they ran for over 200 yards both times they played against Jacksonville last year. And the Jacksonville defense is an absolute mess. I mean, they lost Calais Campbell. They lost Marcel Darius, A.J. Boye, Yannick Ngakwe. Like, it's just a fire sale in Jacksonville. Last year, all teams, all running backs as a team, averaged over 200 yards per game There you go, against Jacksonville. The thing to note, though, Mac didn't see more than 48% of the snaps over the four weeks, the last four weeks of last season. Naheem Hines saw a lot of those snaps. He's more of a pass-catching back. I don't see his role in this game being too big. Yeah, definitely avoiding Hines in this you one. You want to use him in shootout-type games. I agree with Michael. I have Taylor as an RB2, Mac as a flex. It's the highest I'm going to have Mac all year, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, so you have Taylor the as an RB2. Daddy. So you think they can both... And as playable options. I, I do, do, yeah. Yeah, I think that's not out of the question. Um, Naheem Hines, you mentioned him. Probably not going to play him in a game like this because they won't be passing a lot. Um, but it will be interesting to see how his relationship with Phillip Rivers is. Um, what about what about the wide receivers? You got T.Y., you got Pittman, you got Campbell. 
How are you feeling about those guys against a, a really bad Jaguar secondary? The best Jaguars cornerback is DJ Hayden, who is their slot corner. And we're not sure what Paris Campbell's role is yet. Probably going to be slot. So that's probably the guy I'm fading hardest on this team. Really? Just because DJ Hayden's the only good player on that defense. Yeah, he's actually decent. Um, Michael Pittman's a rookie. Is he even going to play over Zach Pascal? We don't really know. I like T.Y. Hilton in this game. He's healthy. He's probably going to be involved early. Philip Rivers using his new toy in T.Y. Hilton. And Frank and Jack Doyle as well. Frank Reich has given targets, nine and a half targets per game in his life as a coach. We all know Philip Rivers loves to pepper tight ends with targets. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a T.Y. and Doyle game. Yeah. Uh, I have Doyle as a top 12 tight end. T.Y. is don't. juicy. T.Y. is juicy in this one. Um, I would take the opportunity to trade T.Y. Hilton right after this game if he goes and goes for like 100 yards and a touchdown. Don't hate that idea. Don't hate it at all. And Jack Doyle, like Jason said, with Philip Rivers, very interested Very interested to see how this week plays out for him. Trey, yeah, he's another guy that you can maybe take him and trade him because Trey Burton is on the way back and they want to get Trey Burton involved. Trey Burton's like. on IR. What are you talking about? Trey Burton is on IR. But, yeah, the IR this this year is different. No, he's, like, legit on IR, right? Yeah, I think he's, like, he's out. He's on out. legit IR. Last time I heard he was out for only, like, four he's weeks. He's on a pup. He's on IR. No, no the IR, IR is you could, this year. You this can year, get off after three. You get off after three weeks. Three weeks. Either way, we'll who gives a damn way. about Trey Burton? Yeah, right. Trey Burton right. sucks. We've seen enough of Trey Burton. But check that. Check that, Jason. Um, I think, I think Paris Campbell, if everything goes correctly, has an opportunity. And this might sound a little crazy. Might sound a little crazy. A little bit of Keenan Allen type opportunity. Reminds me a little bit of the Keenans. He's going to be out at least three weeks. You're right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm like, like always. Right, uh, let's go to the Jaguar oh. side. Um, you're not really trying to start many people from Real this quick, side. because because you skipped over Phillip Rivers. Oh, right. I did. Sorry. Just have to say, in Q, two QB leagues, he's a very solid second quarterback option. But I don't see the huge upside here in a game where they're probably going to really lean on their running game a lot. I saw someone say a stat that Phillip Rivers has only finished as a QB one six times in his career. That can't be right. No, what are you there's no way about? that's right, man. Yeah, maybe QB. No right. Oh, QB one overall. Maybe QB one overall. <laughs> there's no way that's right. Yeah, QB one overall makes sense though. Um, I saw someone say that. I was like, yo, that's the weirdest stat I've ever heard. There's no way that's correct. Yeah, it's not. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to play anyone in this game. Um, I would love to play the the. The Colts defense. I think the only guy I'm thinking about is DJ Chark. Let me tell you this real quick, though. Because you said you don't really want to play anyone in this game. Devin Azigbo apparently is injured now, too. Like, he was on the injury report today. If he ends up missing the game, and it's only James Robinson and Chris Thompson yeah, in a Robinson. game where they're going to be trailing the entire it looks like time. It's going to be James Robinson regardless. Yeah, it's going to be James Robinson regardless. But I'm, this is more of a Chris Thompson talk right now. If they're losing the entire time, Chris Thompson could easily see like ten targets, man. Easily, and some rushes. I, I, I you know what? Scratch that. I like Thompson and Shark. Shark. I, I still disagree with you. First of all, I think Minshew is a good streamer. I do think Minshew is a good. He streamer has a as high well. rushing floor. He had three hundred forty-four rushing yards last season, That's and the Colts are a defense, decent offense and a pretty not decent defense. So there's going to be points scored. The Colts are a good D. The, all right. They're not someone you're going to fade for a quarterback. Yeah, their secondary struggles a little bit, but they got a really good front They're going to take a lead, and Minshew's going to have to pass. Their new cornerback, Xavier all leads, all roads lead to the end zone, is not good. And honestly, LaVisca Chenault's a rookie. 
D.D. Westbrook is fifth on the depth chart behind Chark, Chenault, Conley, and Cole. So I kind of like Michael's guy, Chris Conley. That's the hot take alert. I was going to say Chris Conley's going for 100 and a touchdown this oh game, folks. Oh, my God. Where, where are we right now? Dude, look. Rocky Asin is by far their best cornerback. Sounds like you're just saying noises. He's going to be... I don't even you're know what the that baby. means. Rocky Asin? <laughs> Rocky Asin is by Rocky far their best cornerback. He's going to be shadowing TJ Chark the entire game, which means Chris Conley's going up against Xavier Rhodes and company. Chris Conley is going to eat, folks. Chris Conley is one of my favorite sleepers this week if you're struggling and you don't know who to start and you have a you're probably not starting Chris Conley unless like you're in a super deep league or you got hit with the injury bug or something and you drafted earlier in the offseason but I think Chris Conley has some massive potential in this one you crazy let's go over to the Raiders at the Panthers um oh man the Panthers are a rebuilding defense talking about rookies they have mad rookies on that defense. Dude, I want to I want to hug the Raiders right now. The only problem is they're starting rookies on the other side. So there's a bunch of rookies versus rookies, which leaves one guy. But I just Josh Jacobs. He is Come to Papa. Feast. Maybe maybe RB1 this week. Absolutely. But I just want to say I don't understand what the Panthers did. Like they lost Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, Luke Keekley, James Bradbury, Eric Reed, and they're they decided let's just fix it only in the draft. With rookies. Like after paying Teddy fucking Bridgewater uh, a win now in quotes because he's never gonna win anything quarterback. Just odd. All those people, by the way, who are who are questioning if Josh Jacobs will get passing game work, I think that question will be answered early and often in this game. I think you're gonna see Josh Jacobs get involved in that passing game all year. Shout out to uh, Casanova, who uh who hollered at me with that with that question the other day? Like, do you, are you scared about him getting work in the passing game? I think he gets it. I don't even think that's relevant this week. Carolina allowed the most points running backs last year. David uh, Derek Carr sucks. And other defenses. Carolina worse. sucks. Jacobs is gonna eat. Agreed. Oh boy, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a tough. Raiders blowout maybe. I honestly don't. This honestly, I took the under in this. I bet on this game. I think it's gonna be disgusting, and. Dude, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. They even have Nelson Aguilar. We don't know what their lineup looks like. We don't know who's going to play where. Is Ruggs going to be the slot receiver? Is Renfro going to be the slot receiver? That's where Aguilar has been best in his career. Are they going to see enough targets with Josh Jacobs, Jalen Rashard, and Darren Waller around? I'm not touching any pass catcher. Whoa, what about Darren Waller? I'm not touching any wide receiver. There you go. That's more like Dude, it. John Gruden <laughs> John Gruden was asked about Henry Ruggs' involvement in the opener. He said, he'll play a little bit. I hope he's ready. Like, what? And right now, it's, it's funny that he says that because right now listed as a starter on their, like, official, unofficial uh, depth chart, it's, it's Ruggs and Edwards who are listed as starters. Yeah. I mean, with that being said, Henry Ruggs is similar to Antonio Gibson where you have the huge boom-bust potential. Except Ruggs is probably getting at least four or five targets in this game. And the Panthers secondary is not good. So I like Ruggs a little bit here as like a flex option if you're if you're trying to get uh get the new, freaky with it. The new cool <laughs> thing on Twitter is to call Brian Edwards the best Raiders rookie wide receiver. As yeah. if Henry Ruggs wasn't a top twelve NFL pick. It's very frustrating. And Brian Edwards was a third round pick. Look, like, I like Brian Edwards and I think yeah, Brian Edwards I, I learned something about Brian Edwards the other day that made me like him a little more. He was uh he was burning people at age eighteen in college. 
He was like he was like a red shirt freshman killing the killing the SEC. Eh. And then he hurt himself. He would have been a first round pick, and then he hurt himself. Blew out his knee. I mean, I like Brian That's Edwards fair. too, but let's. He's um. I'm waiting and seeing on yeah. him this week. At I'm least. waiting and seeing on on all these guys. But yeah, Darren Waller, fire him up because fire. He's up, the fire only guy Derek Carr's chemistry with. Yeah, um, definitely fire him up. What about Derek Carr, who uh, kind of has become like Twitter's like personal savior? Look, it's a great matchup for Carr, but I'm not starting a bad quarterback with two rookie wide receivers and no preseason games under the belt. Screw that. I would all right, who would you rather stream? David Carr or Sam Darnold? Carr. I mean Sam Darnold's going against Buffalo in Buffalo. The answer is almost always never Derek Carr. Derek Carr or Terry Bridgewater? Teddy. Probably Teddy. Really? Doesn't matter. What do you mean doesn't David matter? Carr, I guess. No one's starting these guys. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. No one should. Those are my two most hated quarterbacks in the NFL and they're going against each other. Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield. I hate Carr. this game. Mayfield by a mile. All right, let's go to the the Panthers. Uh, we know how Jason feels about Teddy Bridgewater, so let's, uh, let's talk about Michael. Uh, CMC should continue to be used until his legs literally fall off, so we don't have to worry about that. Let's talk about the wide receivers. DJ Moore, Michael's a guy that you have a lot of stock in this year. Yeah. You're big on DJ Moore. Yeah. Um, and then you got Samuel and also Robbie Anderson. One of the things that we know about Matt Rules, he's a – innovative college type spread them out type of offense. So it's going to be interesting again, because there's no preseason to see how many time, how often does he line up with three wide receivers on the field? How much does he line up with four wide receivers on the field? Does he pull a cliff Kingsbury and line up with five wide receivers on the field? Uh, how, how, what do the running back touches look like? Are they up the middle or the outside? Um, are they RPOs? You know, it's just, it's just like th- little things like that. What does a Matt rule offense even look like? We don't know yet. We have no fucking idea. So that the question is, uh, you know, how do you how do you handicap that? And I think the answer is only play CMC and DJ Moore, and then figure out the rest later. I agree one hundred percent. I also couldn't agree more, dude. The number one dumbass argument for Teddy Bridgewater this weekend, this this weekend, this off season, is that Carolina is gonna suck. Now you did the opposite, and they're gonna have to throw a lot. This isn't the game where that's going to happen because Oakland also sucks. <laughs> so now you just have a bum-ass quarterback who's not going to throw a lot. And don't ever... Robbie Anderson can be dropped in all leagues. Whoa. Don't ever start the deep threat in an offense run by Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, it's stupid. Anyone who drafted... Every time someone drafted Robbie Anderson, I just went like, blah. Michael real loose with the words. Curtis stupid. Samuel has always been talked about mm-hmm. as a potential guy. Everyone's stupid today, Mike. Hasn't panned out for him much. Reports out of camp haven't been good for Curtis Samuel. Ian Thomas, really? You're going to start the tight end for Teddy Bridgewater in this disgusting game? I, I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go. CMC, Moore, Waller, and Jacobs. That's it. We should have just said that and moved on. But here's the thing, though. All those guys have the ability to finish number one at their position this week. Yeah, I because agree. their teammates suck. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, high potential. Or are unproven. High low. High low there. Uh, let's go to the Bears and the Lions. Money Mitch, baby! There's still a chance that he's good. Please. He's back. For God's sakes. Back I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you this right now, guys. If Teddy Britt, I mean, if Mitch Trubisky ends up being mad nice this year from the grace of God and, like, puts up, like, MVP-type numbers like I said he was going to be last year. Absurd. 
It's it, it's probably not gonna happen. But if it does, I'm going to literally victory lap until Twitter's broken. Tim, oh, I'll you literally f- do whatever you want if Mitch Trubisky wins MVP this season. Would you watch? I have an interesting to, question. No, for no, you I'm not 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 MVP. But if he goes back to to like being a little better than he was the year before last, like I oh my god, the victory laps are gonna be crazy. I have an interesting question for you guys. I'll preface it by saying I have Mitch Trubisky ahead of Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater in my rankings. <laughs> Would you start him? Not would I start him. In a two-quarterback lead, I'm, league, I'm okay with starting him. Mitch Trubisky's best games in his career have come against Detroit. Most recently, he had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Did He, have the, he had that five-touchdown game against Detroit, too, right? I think so. Do you think Matt Nagy knew this when he named the starter? I mean, it's possible. You think he named the starter for one game? For a game you think one? they're going to go to no. Foles? They win 40 to 12 and then go to Foles? Nah. No, because he knew Trubisky would have a good start to start the season. Kind of like when you do the starting pit, when you change your starting rotation for the guy who's good against like the, the lineup full of lefties. I get yeah, it. Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Um, it, it'll be up to Trubisky to keep it, though. Uh, I kind of like I kind of like the Lions. I mean, the, the Bears in this game. Um, the one thing that's going to get in the way is what are they – What on earth are you going to do in the backfield? Is it going to be Cordell Patterson? Is it going to be Tariq Cohen getting heavy lifting? Is it going to be... They straight up cut Artavis Pierce. They cut him. They got Ryan Nall. More reasons to like Trubisky this week. I'm probably going to make a fan duel lineup with Trubisky in there. Uh, I mean, also, Jeff Okuda is their number one cornerback right now. They also got Desmond Trufant. That's true. That's true. Desmond Dudufant. One of them is going up against I mean, Jeff Trufant's Okuda. not bad. Who you've seen? We've seen the best cornerback in the history of the NFL in terms of man-to-man coverage struggle in his rookie season. So Jeff Okuda could still be great and still struggle, particularly in his first game. I like a Rob and I like Anthony Miller. I actually like Anthony Miller too. I for some reason I'm high on the Bills. Miller, the Bears this Miller week. went in. The thing is, you can't start Anthony Miller because it's Week One. I'm okay with throwing him in my flex. Hmm. Maybe wide receiver three if you're really desperate. If you're in a 14-team league. Miller had the best game of his career against the Lions last year. Yeah. Went Had nine catches, 140 yards. The second best game of his career against the Lions in 2018. 122 yards and a touchdown. Who's going to run the ball? Corderall Patterson? It's going to be a Mitch Trubisky throw-the-ball game. A-Rob and I, th- I think Anthony Miller are all good plays because... Who else do they have on the outside? Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's a, a, a speedster. He's not going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get a few deep looks. Yeah. I mean, no one's starting Ted Ginn. But I agree. Uh, I'm all aboard the Allen Robinson trade. I think Anthony Miller's a solid flex as well. The Detroit defense, as always, is not going to be the best this season. Um, Thinking about that, you think the Lions will probably be in a position where they have to pass a lot too. Um. Let's start with the passing game because with the running game, I have my opinions. Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, uh, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. How do you see it playing out? I don't think Danny Amendola is a factor at all. But I do think Galladay and Jones Jr. both have what it takes to get a good game going because that Bears secondary is the biggest. You know, they don't have they don't have who the, they don't have Brian Callahan anymore. They don't have Prince Mukumar anymore. They don't have Adrian Amos anymore. So their their entire personnel team is different in that backfield than it was two years ago when they were shutting down the league. 
So I think passing opportunities will be there, especially with Matt Stafford. So I think I think yeah, I think this is gonna be a, a high scoring game, man. I think it's gonna be a, a lot of passing, a lot of it's gonna be a lot of plays because they're gonna be passing so much. So I think both of these teams are gonna have a bunch of opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised if both these quarterbacks pass fifty times. I'm I'm gonna agree with you. I'm actually not super scared off by their secondary. Like Kyle Fuller's still very good, but your their def their secondary is just not that scary anymore in my opinion and when you have wide receivers like Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones you could have a very good offensive game so I mean I, I'm okay with starting Stafford I, I mean the Bears they're still a decent defense like I'm not saying the Bears defense just isn't good anymore in general but I'm not super scared away from starting Galladay and Marvin Jones this uh this week and I think Stafford will have a pretty solid game as well especially with their running game in such a flux with DeAndre Swift dealing with an injury and who knows if Carrion Johnson, how much work he's going to get. Now they brought in AP. So that running game is probably going to be very uh, yeah, Matt Patricia unnerving as well. Patricia continues to be the discount version of Bill Belichick. Um, it's very annoying. Uh, he's just trying to make a committee out of his running backs for no reason, even though picking <laughs> DeAndre Swift high. When it comes to the receivers, Kyle Fuller is probably the best um, defensive back on what's the team name I'm looking for? The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> and he lines up on the right side most of the time. Marvin Jones lines up on the right side most of the time. So Marvin Jones is probably going to have the toughest time um, uh, against Chicago. But Kenny Galladay is baby Tron. He has his highs and lows. This looks like a game that it could be a high. And Danny Amendola is a bum. He had 96 targets last season and was useless. So... That's my take on those guys. Did we mention, since we're going to get to the tight end now, did we mention Jimmy Graham about the Bears? No, we didn't. Do you want to mention Jimmy Graham? I don't, but we talk about everyone on this podcast, and you shouldn't start Jimmy Graham. I know they brought him in and paid him money, but he's been a shell of himself for years, and they already have. He's going to be the fourth option at best behind A-Rob Miller and Cohen. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a touchdown, though. Um. All right, let's go to let's go to the let's go to TJ Hawkinson. I know this is a guy that you guys are loving um for the year, but how are you feeling against him in this Bears matchup? Again, I'm not super I'm not shying away really from the passing attack. And like Jason said, Kyle Fuller, he's the only real big threat. I mean, I'm fine with putting Hawkinson out there too. The Bears were good against tight ends last year though. They were, so and they still have Eddie Jackson as well. So yeah. Hawkinson isn't someone I'm like actively targeting this week. But I mean, if you drafted him as your tight end, I'm not. I wouldn't be entirely scared away from starting him. I prefer to. I prefer too. to start Jack Doyle. If yeah. like you're looking to stream, that's not a. Him. That's not a bad uh, pivot. Noah Fant as well. I think I. I prefer. Yeah, I don't know about Fant this week. Um, let's go to the running game. You guys mentioned it. Would you start Carry On Johnson this week? I'm not starting any of them. Yeah, it's a mess. I don't want to deal with that either. There's already rumors that AP might get the most of the looks. Carry On's dealt with his injury history. So is AP. Swift is just getting back from an injury. Who knows what that... And then we have Matt Patricia trying to be Bill Belichick. <laughs> All right. Hypotheticals. Carry on Johnson or Tariq Cohen? Cohen, Cohen easily. Uh, carry on Johnson or James White? Well, probably White, yeah. Uh, carry on Johnson or Zach Moss? Moss. I'm Moss. telling you, I don't want anything to do with the Lions running game. All right. Um. All right, let's move on then. Uh, I think that's it for the Bears at the Lions. That's it for us in this episode. For part, how long. how long was this, Michael? What's what's it looking like? We got ourselves a one hour 
30-minute podcast, well, folks. That's how you know we're back. It's week one. Um, we got another one hour and probably 30-minute podcast coming for you right now. Um, if you listen back to back, don't forget um, for to take care of your nutsack real well, manscaped.com. <laughs> uh, use the proto code BROTO, B-R-O-T-O, all caps, um, on manscaped.com to get 20% off at checkout plus free shipping. Yep. These are high-quality items. So if they were ever out of your reach because like, hey, oh, damn, it's just like, man, I really want this, but I can't afford it. 20%, bro. And let me tell you, man, those those boxers and the T-shirt they sent us, super comfortable. The T-shirt is like, do you ever watch um, Made in America? Yes. Um, You know, the, it's got the, they're, they're, I learned about T-shirts, how to make it in America on HBO. I learned about how to make T-shirts, and they got the blend. They got the polyester cotton blend. And the cotton, it's that nice. That makes it feel real nice. Yeah. Yeah, they got the good stuff. Um, you can tell it's high quality stuff. Yeah. So manscaped. Also, don't forget to go to partybelts.com and use the promo code Roto to get your official championship belt. You can customize it. Um, you can even hit us up for a logo. Uh, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. We'll be giving you our first free. Well, not our first free episode, but our first um, waiver free episode of the season next Tuesday. You get an extra. Uh, you get an extra episode. Don't forget about that. So. Uh, yeah. And look out for Big new things. weekly articles, new um, segments that we're going to have this year. We're definitely going to drop, drop drop a busts and sleepers article every week and maybe another article or two. We'll see. BrotoFantasy.com is where you can find that. Don't forget to look at true throw values and true target values. One of the easiest ways to set your lineups up for success. And only found at BrotoFantasy.com. Booyah. Michael, where can they follow you? At BrotoFF Mike. Jason? At BrotoFF Jason. Follow me at BrotoFF Tim. See what we did there. And all of us at BrotoFantasy. We are coming back to you right away with number two. Um, Just in case you guys were wondering, we were having a lot of technical difficulties. And it took us an hour to do this. And it's currently midnight in New York City. And we're getting ready to record a second episode. Dedication. That's how much we love you. Peace. Later. Later.